Injury takes you out of the game. It's time for your team to step up. At Alina Health Orthopedics, you'll get expert care backed by a whole health system of providers with convenient locations, virtual options, and an app that gives you 24-7 access to your records, test results, and care team. You're always close to the care that you need. Schedule now at alinahealth.org slash ortho. I'm Brent Coleman, and you're listening to The Sound of the Loons. Afternoon or evening, depending on when this finds you. Welcome to the Sound of the Loons podcast presented by Alina Health Orthopedics. I'm Steve McPherson. And I am joined by Callum Williams in person for the first time in something like 20 months, we think. There's tea. It's incredible. I've been waiting for this tea for 20 months. Cal makes the best cup of tea. It's awesome. Uh-huh. We're recording this in Wembley. Mm which is the name of one of the new conference rooms at the MNUFC offices, but many great live albums have been recorded at Wembley, I think. So uh, I, I feel like we're, we're part of a, a grand tradition. What do you say, Cal? I say, I mean, I feel awfully at home right now having a cup of tea at Wembley. So yeah, it's fabulous. Um, it's a little smaller than I remember. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's weird, isn't it? I was walking around the office today. It's my first day back in the office. I know everybody was back yesterday, um, but it's my first day back in, and it's it's weird because it's a new layout. It's um, yeah, it's like a new, new possibilities, you know, all that kind of stuff. So it's it's great. It, it's really really nice to to be back in person. Um, I'm a big believer of being around each other, being in the office, yeah, um, camaraderie, all that kind of stuff. You know, you've you've been on the road with us before, Steve, several times. Like trying to like to have people go out for a beer after the game and, and what have you and just to be together. I'm a big believer of camaraderie and I know it sounds quite cliche, but that whole like work family thing, I'm absolutely a big believer of that. So it is, it's quite nice to be back in the office for sure. Yeah, I, I agree. I think there's something to be said for um, efficiency. Uh, obviously I'm a guy who's interested in, in things like analytics when we're looking at soccer and things like that and ways to be more efficient and more effective on the pitch. I think it's a good thing to think about when you're working to make sure your routines are, 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 are you're getting the most you can out of them. But, you know, I'm also a big, big believer in there's sort of unspoken unseen elements that go into making something work. There's a sort of alchemy, uh, sort of magic that comes with, you know, you see it with teams, right? It's like some group of guys, come together in a certain way, you know, for a soccer team, um, in MLS, a group of women in, 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 uh, NWSL, but you know, a group of players coming together and they become more than the sum of their parts. And I think that that's true for all kinds of organizations and teams. And, and a lot of that comes from just shared experience, uh, in the world. And, and when you're at home, you know, there's certain things that are great to work at at home. Um, you know, like when I'm working on an article and I really just sort of need to you know, put the blinders on and, and put my head down and get it done. I do appreciate that ability. And, um, and we're being afforded that ability to do some working from home still. So, uh, which is, which is great. I think a hybrid model is fantastic. It's great to be back in the office and feel some of that energy, but also know that you're going to be able to be at home and kind of, uh, sh- you know, get your work done when you need to tackle something big. So, um, I, you know, I'm happy to be back. I get a little sleepy in the afternoons. Like anybody. Sure. I mean, that, that would happen at home, wouldn't it, as well? You know? I know, but at home I can just lie down on the couch. Um, well, right. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. You know, it's, <laughs> I will say, actually, I, I came into the office after being up at, at the training facility today and, and 
I, I think I got here about two hours ago or something like that. Mm-hmm. I, I've hardly done any work since I've been here because right. it's just like chatting to people, getting yeah. back into the swing of things. Well, you're right. Had I have just gone straight home, I probably would have got two hours of preparation done by now. <laughs> it's, just, it's just finding that balance, isn't it? It's Yeah, it's a mix of things. It's going to be another adjustment. Um, you know, anytime. I think when you start a new job, there's that adjustment period. I think in some ways this is like starting a new job again, um, coming back to the office and doing stuff in person, which is exciting. Um, let's, let's get into the soccer. I wanted to start with looking back at the season, the regular season. Now, now that it's over from uh, Minnesota United's perspective and, and from an MLS perspective, uh, I went back and I looked at the notes I had before the start of the season for our last podcast before the season when we were talking about who we thought would be in the playoffs, who would be the top four teams. I have to say, my dark horse teams at the start of the year were Colorado in the Western Conference and New England in the Eastern Conference. Really? Wow, yeah. look at you. So I'm a genius. Let's not talk about the <laughs> other teams that I said would be in the top four, um, especially of the Eastern Conference, because I don't... Who did you say? I think Atlanta, uh, Orlando... Columbus, I didn't do very well. I think one, <laughs> one of them was in the playoffs, two of them, I guess, but it's like, it, it didn't, it didn't, it didn't go out. It didn't go well. Uh, LAFC, I think I called for in the top four out, out West did not predict Seattle. Uh, I didn't have Colorado in there. I had SKC and Portland in there in the top mm-hmm. four. Um, but again, I had sort of Colorado and new England as I thought they could make some noise and clearly they have as the top mm-hmm. seeds in, in, in either conference. How do you, you know, I don't think I had your predictions written down or anything, but how do you feel like the season played out across the league versus how you sort of expected it was, it was going to play out at the start. Keeping in mind, this is MLS. So we know it all goes completely immediately. This is the thing, Steve, isn't it? Like we, we just, it's so difficult to predict anything um, because this league is built on parity. Unlike any other soccer league in the world that that I'm aware of anyway. Um, and so we, we can say, you know, well, this team in the West have made this signing. That might help them here. This team in the East have done this. This will improve them here. Sometimes it just doesn't work out. Uh, and sometimes a, a team like Colorado Rapids or, or indeed Nashville on the Eastern side of things, this year anyway, um, can completely surprise everybody. And that's what's happened this year. So um, what I will say, Steve, is I, th- I think I'm, I might have said this on one of the recent podcasts. That was perhaps the most exciting race for the Western Conference playoffs. Anyway, I know I know the East had some interest yeah. as well, but, but the Western Conference in particular, it, it was the most exciting playoff race I think I've ever seen in Major League Soccer. And, and we've had some really, really, really intense races, um, at least during the, the 10, 11 years I've been covering this league. There's been some really interesting um, races for the playoffs. This one tops them all, I thought, because there were so many possibilities in the last day of the season. It was a legitimate mm-hmm. decision day. Yeah. Um, and the fact that LA Galaxy fell short in the final hurdle, it, it just, I love the drama. I loved it, you know, and, and I'm okay with the, the big market teams dropping out. Like, it mm-hmm. creates drama. It's, it's, what, it's what this sport is all about. It's, it's being able to have a conversation with somebody about a, a shock result mm-hmm. um, or, or an example of somebody falling out of the playoffs in the last day of the season or what have you, you know, it's, it, it drives conversation, and that's what it's all about. So, so for me, I, I just thought it was such a compelling season um, this year in MLS. I don't know how next year's going to top it. I really don't. <laughs> but if there's any league, then it will. This is the league. Yeah, right. I yeah, I I, I was thinking about how um, 
I remember, Cal, in, in 2017, I think Minnesota United finished the season on the road against San Jose. Yes, you're right. With an opportunity to deny San Jose a shot in the playoffs. Um, and thinking that that was maybe motivation they could do it. They didn't. San Jose got in. And so I, I remember that, uh, you know, some of that drama. That's nothing compared to with, you know, watching the Galaxy and Minnesota United and hearing that in the 95th minute, you know, RSL had scored and it was going to push the Galaxy out if they couldn't get a goal. Meanwhile, Colorado jumping up to that first seed right at the very end when I sort of thought, well, that's great. They got a puncher's chance. They'll maybe be third or fourth. And then, you know, they, they outrace SKC in Seattle. Like, it's kind of crazy. Um, and as you said, it's only going to get crazier probably from here on. And I look back, we had like golden boot predictions. Nobody had Tati Castellanos on the, on the list of, of golden boot winners, not Ola Kamara either, who were, they were, they mm. were tied at the end. I believe Castellanos won out on assists. Um, that's kind of, that's kind of crazy too. No, you know, Rui Diaz obviously had a good year, but there was injuries. Um, I think Chicharito was third, which is crazy given that he missed a whole chunk in the middle. He was leading by a, a, a big margin, I think early on. Um, but, you know, like, again, we haven't seen Castellanos in person in a while because we, Minnesota United has not played NYCFC for a little while. But I remember him being um, quite a pest uh, in, in 2019, I think, when, when we played NYCFC. So. Yeah, look, Tati Castellano or Valentin Castellano um, is, is absolutely wonderful. Um, plays off the shoulder really, really well. He gets a lot of service from Maxi Morales as well, who I think is, um, despite being... I think he's 35 now. I was told the other day by someone at New York City FC that he's earning over $3 million. And for a 35-year-old to be doing that in MLS, I thought we were past those days. But, <laughs> but with all due respect, he's delivering. Yeah. And the, the suggestion is, is that he's going to get another contract next year. So um, the, the way that, that um, Castellanos moves off the ball, um, he drags centre-halves all over the place. Um, as I said, he plays off the shoulder really, really well. Um I don't know the numbers, but but I would assume a lot of his goals are, are strikes from inside the box, mm -hmm. inside the six-yard box as well, because um, he does make himself really difficult to mark. Um, I, I was told, what was it, oh, two, three weeks ago, that there's there's serious interest in him from a, a big Brazilian club as well. So mm. it, it's clear that he's he's made his mark. Um, yeah. And and I, I think... Uh, in a year where there was there was so many really good goal scorers in Major League Soccer, for him to come out on top says a lot about him. Um, he, he's a really, really good centre forward, Steve. And, and um, as I said, Morales has, has been someone that has been providing assists for sure. And he's had um, a, a litany of others that, that will give him the ball um, in various different ways from time to time. But there's not been... You know, there's not been like an Emmanuel Reynoso type figure for, for NYCFC. You sure. know, he's not had someone that's absolutely you look at and say, right, if I'm going to score today, he's going to give me the pass. Right. The, the only one you could look at is Morales, but but he's not, he doesn't have staggering numbers in terms of assists. So right. he, he's, he creates a lot of his own goals in terms of he he, he moves in different ways, drags centre-halves out. He, he, as I've said several times, he plays off the shoulder. Mm -hmm. um, his movement off the ball is great. Um, he's a proper centre-forward. Um, proper goal scorer and um, as I said I, you, you want those type of players to stay in Major League Soccer for sure um, because we want this league to continue to grow and, and the quality to continue to grow but um, I, I can seriously see a, a big team coming in for him yeah. um, I think it was something like six million dollars was suggested or something that he may be available for yeah well and certainly playing in that system playing in the city system NYCFC it's like that at, yeah. it opens doors I mean I, the play opens doors but 
you know, that's a group that is, has got its fingers all across the globe. Yeah, absolutely. So, so, I mean, that's the counter argument, isn't it? Like, does, does he want to, to leave that umbrella? Sure. Um, I'm not suggesting he could ever go and play for Manchester City. Right. But, you know, there are other opportunities to go and play elsewhere. Mm -hmm. Um, although I'm, I'm not sure at this stage in his career, he would want to go and play in Australia or in Japan. Um, I, I just, I don't think that's the move he'd want right now. But um, like I said, he's, what was he, 23, 24? Um, yeah. I, I think right now um, that there's a big move on the horizon for him. Yeah, I mean, I, I was also glad to see him overtake Kamara, who's a great player, but I really don't like that he had like nine penalty kicks. And that was, sure. that was part of, that was part of the, <laughs> the equation for the golden boot. Cause it's like, obviously drawing penalties is a skill. Obviously it's something that DC United as a team are doing, but it's also not really Ola Kamara's, you know, he didn't, he, he puts the ball in the net, but he's not necessarily the one doing the work to get that foul that leads to that opportunity. It's different than to me, a guy like you're saying, Castellanos, who uh, is creating those opportunities as well as finishing those opportunities. So I, I think the penalty kick thing was, is a little, is a little crap. Yeah. But, but here's the <laughs> counter argument then. So is it the same as a center forward, just boxing up and somebody flinging the ball in from out wide yeah. and, and, you know, I'm not even saying that, that going up for a header and, and headering in because that, that takes a lot of work, but I'm just saying, let, let's say the ball comes in and it's on the ground and you swing a leg at it and you're on the six yard line and it's a goal. I mean, yeah. is, is that more difficult? I, I don't know. I've never been in that situation before, but that's the counter argument to it. Yeah. But then you have to be in that position anyway. So yeah, I, I'm agreeing with you. I'm just playing devil's advocate. I hear you. I hear you. I mean, I, I, you know, like right place, right time. You know, that's 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 part of what goes into it. Um, let's talk a little bit, Cal, about uh, Minnesota United uh, and and the regular season. It's funny again, looking back at some some notes. In some ways, it, looking what looking at what we were talking about, we're sort of in the same place with Minnesota United right now as we we were at the start of the season. The defense and the midfield. Um, are, are good to great, you know, a capacity, like they could be anywhere along those lines, but rarely less than solid. Um, the question is how much they're going to get from the, the front four. And that was sort of the question going into the season. Uh, it was, you know, it included a season that included Ramon Abila being in, in a forward and then not being here anymore. And, and a lot of change and a lot of injuries and, and some things that are overlooked. Like, I think the fact that like, I think Fragapani, whenever he's been available has been great, but he also was unavailable for a big chunk of the season. So it, again, seeing that in some ways we're in some of the same place we were prior to this season. What do you think this season has been for Minnesota United, obviously struggling with consistency to some extent, um, going through some, some stretches of, of, of rough play, starting Oh, and four, um, not being able to finish out some of those games with the man advantage, but also good wins. And as, as Adrian has pointed out stretches where the team was playing as well as anybody in MLS in terms of, you know, the amount of points produced per game and things like that. So, it, you know, where do we sit now disregarding the playoffs? Obviously that's a, a whole different referendum on what the team is doing just in the regular season. How do you see this regular season stacking up to other ones that Minnesota United has had? Look, I think it's been a good season, Steve, with a tinge of disappointment. I think before I really go into it, I think when you look at last season and, and getting to the, the Western conference final, that was a heck of an achievement. And, and in my opinion, was an overachievement big time. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of it was because of the form of Emmanuel Reynoso and, and people not um, understanding him in terms of the opposition, not, not, preparing for him because they hadn't seen a lot of him and what have you. I'm, I'm sure they they did bits of preparation, but when you're actually going up against the individual, it can be different. Yeah. And um, so, so that played its part for sure. But um, 
I, I always thought that this team were going to be a playoff team. Even I think I might have said to you on the podcast, on this podcast, um, even at 0-4, I still thought, yep. I, I thought that this team is... is um, this team has got enough about them to be a playoff team. I think the only thing I'll say in terms of it being disappointing is that it felt as though there was more there um, and there was more available that they didn't take. Um, yeah. It feels as though there was a lot of points that were were left uh, behind. Um, you go back and think of of some of the games that they, they didn't win. Um, some of them were out of their control. It, immediately, the, the penalty that was given to Vancouver oh, yeah. in Salt Lake comes to mind in the last minute. <laughs> that, that that comes to mind straight away, and that's out yeah. of their control. But but then, at the same time, you know, being um, being up a man against uh, Kansas City and San Jose, um, you have to win those games. You have to win those games. Um, yeah. And and I know as again we've we've said on on this podcast, it's 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 difficult at times when a team goes down to ten men because they box in big time, um, and it, it's it's tough to get in behind. Um, and then what happens is they. They tend to counter press, and and we, we found out the hard way against Colorado, didn't mm-hmm. we, at, at Allianz Field, um, that that they can really hurt you when when they get out to ten men, um, especially if the emphasis is on you to go and win the game. And, and that game against Colorado, I think, was probably the the last moment where you thought we've got to win this, otherwise we won't have a home playoff game. And so there was extra emphasis on the team to push forward, mm-hmm. and they threw everything right to the last minute. Yeah. Um, but but they they threw everything really aggressively forward in the, the dying embers of the game because they were 2-1 down. And then the Rapids hit them on the counter press for the third time in a row mm-hmm. um, and, and scored and um, and were able to claim a, a fabulous victory for them. Um, but it, overall, Steve, for, for me, I, I think it's been I think it's been a good season. Um, the playoffs were, were the aim. I think the preference would have been a home playoff game. Sure. Um, but I, I think ultimately um, it, it's been a good season, and um, I, I now I now wonder what the what the postseason is going to look like. Um, just because it, it's obvious, Steve, it, it, you've only got to have half a footballing brain to see that the team doesn't score enough goals. Sure, everybody knows that. So I'm interested to see what happens in the off season. There's whispers of a, of a centre forward potentially coming in over the course of the next couple of weeks. Obviously, they won't be available until next year, mm-hmm. um, and that's exciting. Yeah. That, that should excite people, you know. Um, and we'll, we'll wait and see what happens there. But um, I, I, ultimately, Steve, I think um, that there's a tinge of disappointment on on what could have been this season. But ultimately, I think the playoffs were the aim. The preference was a home playoff game. But ultimately, I think it's a good season for Minnesota. Yeah, I, I agree, Cal. I mean, I, I think it's it's. I feel like it's been uh, there's been more of a roller coaster of emotion over the course of this season than than maybe in the last two. Let's say, twenty nineteen again was a, a season of 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 thinking this team could be good, but not knowing what they could do, and then seeing them sort of come into their own and have some amazing moments. And, and basically you were still at that point where any of those great clutch wins uh, felt amazing. 2020, obviously very disruptive, uh, very up and down in the world and in, and in, and for Minnesota United to some extent, but also team, the team really came into its own down the stretch. You sort of felt confident hitting the playoffs. The team has actually been very good down the stretch as well this season. It's, but it's been a little bit more, uh, you know, up and down. I think it's sort of a testament to, how how good the performance has been overall is that 
you're not looking at those, you're looking at those games where you drop points and you wish you had gotten those points. But honestly, then I, I did some of the math at some point. I have to go back and obviously it, 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 it would change math for other teams as well. But you're not even looking at like, oh, you needed to win all those four games to get what you wanted at the start of the season, or you needed to win all three of those games up a man. It was sort of, it was sort of like if you had won if you gotten four or five points out of those first four games, and if you had gotten, you know, three or four points out of, uh, the, the two draws and the loss that were, where you're up a man, you're talking about top three, not just like, you know, the fourth seat you're, you, you've, you've leapt up into the sort of elite category of, of teams. It's not far off, you know? Um, and as you're, you know, to your point about whispers, Cal, as far as what could happen, it really does in a lot of ways look like a team that is, Again, still looking for that center forward, but you're you're like a real finisher away from being strong all down the spine here. Um, with, you know, I think that looking at um, again the midfield going into this season, we were sort of used to Ozzy Alonso and and Jan Gregush. Um, it's now mostly been uh, Hassani Dotson and Will Trap. Ozzy Alonso also in there as well in the mix as well. But you've you sort of turned over your midfield, but it's still as good of a midfield as it was last season, you know. And that's 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 a tremendous testament to those guys who came in and and how good the midfield has been. Um, it, it's it's always an evolving thing. Sports is always it's always going through time. You can always look back and go, ah, I wish we had picked those points up. You know, there's sort of we're sort of at the point now where you know if you're Minnesota obviously not hosting a playoff game in the first round, they weren't going to catch Portland no matter what. Portland was locked in at the fourth seed. Whoever wins this four or five matchup is going on the road to Colorado. There was that that's always going to happen. So even if you had made it to the fourth seed and you were hosting Portland, the team is still going to have to go on the road, even if they're if, even if they win here to Colorado, which has been a very tough place for them. So again, you would have had to get up to like the third seed, which was just way out of out of reach by the by the end of the season. And so. Again, I, I agree with you. You said it perfectly. Goal was the playoffs. Preference would have been a home uh, a home game to start the playoffs at least. Um, didn't happen. But again, this is a team that scored you know a bunch in the playoffs last season. Really came alive. Um, let's we'll get into that. Let me let me take care of this first. When injury takes you out of the game, it's time for your team to step up. At Alina Health Orthopedics, you'll get expert care backed by a whole health system of providers with convenient locations, virtual options, and an app that gives you 24-7 access to your records, test results, and care team. You're always close to the care that you need. Schedule now at alinahealth.org slash ortho. All right, let's talk a little bit about uh, Portland versus Minnesota, this, 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 this game coming up. Um, what was I saying at the end of that last one? Going on the road? Uh, scoring goals. Scoring goals in the playoffs last season, scored a bunch of goals. Emmanuel Reynoso, again, set, you know, an MLS record for assists in the playoffs. Do you think that I'm always, I'm always on the fence about this. Like the idea of organizational memory in the sense that a team that has gone far in the playoffs is better prepared to go far in the playoffs the next season. Do you feel like that's a thing? Do you think that this group, um, in some ways is going to carry forward that understanding of, of how they stepped up in the playoffs last year to make that run. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It, it, it's common sense, isn't it? You know, you, you found that experience. I mean, I, so. <laughs> <laughs> common sense can be wrong though. It's just one of those things that like, it sounds right. And then I just don't know. I don't know what this, the, the, the numbers on this say in terms of teams that have gone far sure. and how far they go the next year. Well, in, in a world that continues to lack common sense, Steve, it, it is common sense. <laughs> absolutely. What you're saying. So sure. Um, look, I, I would agree with that completely. The, the big question for me, I, I have um, with regards to this game in Portland, 
and, and I bring this, this point up because it, it does sort of allude to that experience point that you're making. Who starts in the centre of midfield? Alongside Will Trapp, right. is it Asali Dotson, who has performed well, or is it Ozzy Alonso, who I think has been superb over the last 13 to 15 games? He, he's been absolutely wonderful. I think a lot, of, a lot of Minnesota United fans, a lot of people across Major League Soccer probably thought this might be the last year for Ozzy. Yeah. He, he may play 15 games. He might come off the bench a handful of times, you know, but this is probably his last, last hurrah. It's been anything, but yeah. he's been absolutely sublime, and he's more than proven that he can still play at this level. So, um, with regards to to your insinuation there of, of experience playing its part in the playoffs, I think I'd probably go with Alonso, um, and and also given the fact that it's it's a former Sounder yeah. against, against the Timbers and that affiliation and, and rivalry. Um, you wrote a, a great article on MNUFC.com um, about that. And, that wasn't and me. That was Grace. That was actually Grace Dearson. Okay, our, well, great, our Grace, uh, wonderful junior article. editor. Yeah, it was great. We talked about it yesterday, and she went through and did the research and everything like that. So yeah, it was, she did, she did a great we'll, job. Make sure you check it out on MNUFC.com. Um, and, and, and yeah, a lot of it was absolutely spot on in terms of, of um, what we're talking about and experience and his record against the Timbers. He's yeah. absolutely loathed in Portland right. um, and still loved in Seattle for, for an absolute reason, for sure. And, and it's because he was so successful and did ever so well in, in, in Seattle colors. So um, I, I would absolutely go with Alonso. Yeah. Um, but on the same side, uh, on the other side, rather, I, I, can, I can see why you'd play... Dotson, given the fact that he played college soccer down the road, sure. and he's also extremely energetic, box to box, and maybe you bring him on at some stage. I, I don't know. I would hate to be Adrian Heath in that situation because that's a major decision. That is, yeah, um, yeah. In terms of the the experience uh, debate that we're we're having here, but um, in terms of scoring goals, the one thing I will say when you asked, and I didn't bring this up, the one thing you asked earlier on about the, the differences between the start of the year compared to to now and the roster, mm -hmm. I do think now Minnesota are much more creative. Yeah, and, and I don't have any numbers to, to back that up. I'm just thinking off the top of my head, Minnesota now seems to create so many more chances than they did at the start of the year. Sure. And, and a lot of that has been due to the introduction of Franco Fragapane mm -hmm. and, and what he gives you in terms of he's an inverted winger and he cuts inside and is an absolute menace, but he can also play the ball out wide and, and, and play it in as well. So he's, um, uh, he's a two-way winger. Um, I think he's more suited to cutting in on that right-hand side, mm -hmm. but um, he, he's not uncomfortable on his left foot either. And uh, Robin Lodge as well, because you remember at the start of the year, he was playing as the false nine, wasn't he? Because yeah. um, Atagan Unu hadn't been introduced yet. And again, Robin Lodge, as, as good as, as he is at scoring goals, he's also very good at creating opportunities as well. So, um, And I'm saying all this without even stating the obvious in that Emmanuel Reynoso is a bloody magician so mm -hmm. he's yeah. just he, he's unbelievable with what he does and you know and I'm happy to, to go on record and, and say this Steve I do think that if Minnesota had um center forward this year that that had their shooting boots on I think the the amount of assists that Reynoso has, has got and that's ended the regular season with I think they could have easily doubled this year yeah so I think it's the, the three behind whoever has played at centre-forward, that there's been a bit of consistency about it now. Mm -hmm. um, that wasn't the case for a good, I, I would argue, at least half, maybe even three-quarters of the season. We we didn't see this now front four together. Yeah. Now we're starting to see it. Now they've had a chance to play together consistency, consistently. Um, and I wonder if that will give them some consistency moving forwards. 
Um, I'm interested to see what happens against Portland because the, the Timbers are a decent outfit themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, but given what we've seen, um, I mean, let's go back to the the LA Galaxy game, shall we? I mean, that was an absolute example of what the front four can offer. Yeah. Um, they, they absolutely terrorized the LA Galaxy back line. Um, and now they're going into the postseason with a little bit of momentum behind them. Not major momentum, but minimal yeah. momentum. And, and, and now it... It's up to them what they do with that. But I think if this front four are clicking, um, and it seems like we're right on the cusp of them clicking, mm-hmm. then it's only going to be a, a good thing. Yeah, they've all. There's also sort of been a development over the last, you know, the last few weeks of the season, Cal. That I think you also saw not just the front, the front four clicking, but you're also seeing sort of a consistent game plan there of having uh, Fragapane, Reynoso, and Lud uh, in those attacking mid mid positions. Uh, Unu up top, and then making that move to bring in Ethan Finlay and put Lud up top uh, right there, and that seems smart to me. Like, I think that that is a very good formula. You give Unu the chance to get going, get hot again. He's had like three goals in the last, you know, whatever is there is eight, nine games or something. Like three that. goals in nine games. Yeah. Um, so he's, you know, he's producing. Um, but you also know that Lud is smart and, and a little bigger and a little more physical, uh, in that forward position. And then you've got Ethan Finlay who comes on like his hair is on fire, no matter what. And, you know, will run the opposition ragged at that moment when they're already pretty ragged. And that, that sort of that rotation I think is, is becoming good. And it's one of those things that it's nice when I think when a team understands like how they want to play, not just all the time, but at different parts of the game and, and, and they have roles and people sort of understand what they're there to do. The Alonzo Dotson thing, as you brought up, Cal, I think is, is tough. Um, obviously Dotson is, is in the full flower of his youth and mm-hmm. is, is playing well. And as we've alluded to before, only has, you know, good things ahead of him. Um, you know, probably a good amount of them at Minnesota United, perhaps some of them someplace else at some point. Um, Alonzo is in, you know, the, the twilight of his career, but in the best part, I mean, in the way that I love a good twilight, man, that's what Alonzo's <laughs> in right now. And I got to agree with you. I think it's, you look at the history between Alonzo as a sounder and the timbers and the extent to which I've been at, you know, a timbers game that Alonzo is playing. And as soon as he has the ball, boo, Ooh, the Timbers, it's, and there's something about that. There's also something to the fact, as you were talking about it, Kyle, I was thinking that, that the, one of the, one of Ozzy's best qualities as a holding midfielder, which hold up, it's back. Um, <laughs> one of his best qualities as a holding midfielder is that understanding of tempo in the game and how to control um, the, the sort of emotional tenor of the game at different times and that ability to sometimes understand that we need to gather the ball and get going quickly. Other times we need to gather the ball, make somebody miss, bring it up a little bit, send it, you know, square to somebody else. He really has that, that understanding of how to, you know, I mean, he's the captain. He's how to captain the team in a way that, that dictates tempo. Um, And I think in the playoffs, that's, that's more important than, than ever during the regular season, that, that ability to sort of understand when you need to hold them and when you need to fold them, the gambler, like, you know, Kenny Rogers there. So I just think, I think you got to go with Alonzo. I could see maybe again, if you have a lead in Portland and you know that what Portland wants to do is counterattack, maybe eventually you move to a four, three, three or something like that. You bring in Dotson as another midfielder. You can sort of not again, not trying to pack like park the bus in the back with another, you know, deep defender or something like that. But, you know, maybe try to, maybe you change the shape and that's when you bring Dotson in is, is later in the game um, to, to do some of that work. Um, 
you look skeptical. No, no, I, I'm, I'm thinking. <laughs> You're I'm, just like scowling I'm, at me. I know. I'm, I'm just thinking actually of, of how it would look, you know, because the, the Timbers traditionally are a, a four-two-three-one, but but at times they they do go to a four-three-three as well. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I, I I'm just I'm was merely thinking okay. about how it would look. It looks painful. Is that? <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, yeah, it, it, that would be very very interesting, Steve. Um, yeah. I, I think um, yeah, I, I think you have to keep Dotson available at at, at some stage, yeah, um, because he'll be needed. Um, and as I said, he's 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 great in a box to box situation. But I think from the experience point of view that we've already made the case for Alonso, Will Trapp will, will start absolutely because I think he he really helps in transition as well. Um, yeah. I think there's still work to do there with him, but um, he. He, he does quite well in terms of pinging the ball um, 30, 40 yards to the overlapping Metonier or what have you. You know, he, he moves the ball quite well. His passing is ridiculous, actually. Mm -hmm. If you go back and you look at, dig into some of the numbers, I think I brought it up in the storylines from before the LA Galaxy game, but it's something like his his number of passes is is 300 over the next nearest person, and a lot of them are long passes, and his completion percentage is very high for somebody where the balance of his passes are long passes or actually, okay. So the more of his passes, are short passes, but he has sure. more long passes than anybody else other than Tyler Miller, I believe. I'm um, assuming the, the, the more they are more effective, the long passes. Yes. Sure. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, you know, he, he makes a lot of short passes as well. Mm. Um, but he's, it's something like over 300 long balls and his accuracy on long balls is very good. So it's really, yeah, I think he's been underrated in terms of that element of his game so far. It, it helps Minnesota transition so well. Um, that that is, if Reynoso hasn't dropped too awfully too deep and, sure. and is looking for the ball, <laughs> in which case you go short to Reynoso. Just when that man wants the ball, you give him the ball. Yeah. Um, but 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 it does it, it does disrupt for sure when Reynoso drops as deep as he as he does, and and it is a habit of his. We've seen it, um, and it is a. a that that's the one thing. That's the only thing I'll be critical of in in his game because it, it does expose the the two holding midfielders, the, the double pivot, um, at times. Um, Reynoso, from a defensive point of view, he he has to be cutting off the pass to the six, mm -hmm. um, and I, I think at times he I know what he's doing. He's he's, he's dragging the six out of position. He's dragging at, at times he drags the eight away as well, but. Um, at, at times it does leave um, Will Trapp and, and whether it's Alonso or Dotson or Hayes or whoever, does leave them a little bit exposed at times. Mm -hmm. um, so, and, and, and you don't want to have that when, when you've got somebody who can drive a team like Portland forward, like, um, let, let, well, let's say it's Diego Chara, sure. uh, Dian uh, Paredes. Um, I mean, he, he, even uh, Blanco as well can, can do that wonderfully well. So, mm -hmm. um, but it, it's strange talking about Portland Timbers without sort of mentioning Diego Valeri, you know. Yeah. Um, but he, I'll be surprised if he starts, Steve, but um, he'll, he'll be available off the bench, I'm sure. Not a, not a bad well. trick to be able to have in your pocket to pull no, out. No, no, not at all. Um, <laughs> but look, the Timbers, they've obviously had a good season. I think at one stage they went through a bit of a bad spell and mm -hmm. people thought, mm, maybe they're going to drop out, you know, maybe it's not going to be a good year for them. Um, but I mean, the, the thing that they have is they have um, they have creativity in abundance, and, and they have goal contributions um, from um, the, the front four in particular, but but also elsewhere on the field as well. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I know um, 
Um, Felipe Mora has, has 11 goals and, and has scored when he's needed to. Yep. Uh, Dairon Espria has probably had the best season of his MLS career with 10 goals. And, and, and for me as well, the goal of the MLS season, that, that overhead <laughs> kick uh, from outside the box. I still like that. It was the same weekend. Was it uh, Was it Heels uh, strike that was from outside the box that was like an outside of the boot curler into the uh, upper? Right? Celerajan. Oh, Celerajan. Yes, uh, sorry. Uh, not, not Heel. Yes. And, and also... Another one that's so close as well is that Jimmy Madranda goal, that volley yeah. from the corner against the Timbers. That that, that was unbelievable. So, yeah. but but for me, the the um, intuition and the way that uh, Spreer had to adjust on on that with his back to goal, sure, overhead kick over the keeper, yeah. away from the centre back. For me, it's goal of the year. Zeller Zeller is more like pure skill, like a like a real pure putting it on a postage stamp in the corner sure. of the goal. You know, the curl is beautiful. You know, it's like measured. Aspria's is sort of like a, a dumping all the tools out in a moment and then just picking up whatever is going to work and, and making sure. it work. And that's kind of awesome too. So. A bit erratic, wasn't it? Yeah. But- <laughs> <laughs> it's fun though. But no, it was it was really, really well done. Yeah. Um, like I said, I think it was instinctive. That's probably the best way to describe it. And you're right in the sense that there was a lot less control over that one compared to the Zeller sure. one for sure. So I see your point. Yeah. Um, but look, Nia Skoda also the, yeah, it, Nia has Shkoda, come on really strong in the last you know several games. So. I think three goals in his last nine as well. Something you know, like he's, that, yeah. he's, he's been causing problems for sure. Uh, and Blanco as well. Blanco has been absolutely wonderful. Yeah. Seven goals and seven assists. Um, and I'm not going to suggest he's stepping into Valeri's shoes, but um, he, he certainly offered them something when Valeri has been missing for sure. So um, they're, they're a good team, Steve. They really, yeah. really are. But um, the one thing I will say is I'm not convinced or not as convinced as I have been with them in, in recent years, in previous years, from a defensive point of view. Yes. Uh, I think Van Rankin is is suspect. Mm-hmm. I think uh, Fragapane can really get at Van Rankin. Um Claudio Bravo has, has been one of the best left-backs in Major League Soccer this year for me. I think he's been excellent. But again, going up against the two, um, in, in inverted commas, wide players for Minnesota United, um, it's a different challenge than going up against a regular winger. So it'll be interesting to see what Bravo does going up against. I'm assuming it's going to be Fragapane and Lord either side. There'll be no reason as to why, why they wouldn't unless Robin has come back with a little injury from international duty. Not, not to my knowledge, but mm-hmm. we'll, we'll see. Um, and then, I mean, is it going to be a mix of, we don't know, will it be Mabiala? Will it be Tuiloma at centre-half? Um, I think Zuperic is is key for them. He's, I know, was up for the Defender of the Year and, and quite rightly so as well. And Steve Clark is a solid goalkeeper. So mm-hmm. um, they, they have a, a good back line, but they're just not as defensively sound as they have been in, in previous years. So um, I, I do fancy Minnesota, Steve. I really do. I think tactically this team matches up against Portland. And, and I think... Um, all of us um, virtually over the last you know, sort of week or so and, and, and prior to this being decided as the game that was going to happen, I think we were all sort of saying that, yeah, I think if, if you had a choice, you'd, you'd probably want Portland away. Yeah. Um, because it, what was it since that, that first ever MLS game, that 5-1 loss at Portland, Minnesota was 6-1-1 and against the Timbers. Yep. And they've won a handful of games at Providence Park as well. Mm-hmm. They, they seem to be comfortable there. Um, obviously have, have won there already this year. Um, so I, honestly, for, for me, Steve, I think that was the best draw Minnesota could have had. So um, I, I'm I'm not going to say I'm overly confident, but, but I am confident. I think there's a game to be had there for sure. Yeah, I think, I mean, things get a little different in the playoffs. Sure. Um, I think that, but I think that it, it, based on the regular season, certainly, you know, there's certain teams that we've seen Minnesota United handle. San Jose earthquakes again at times when the quakes looked like they were just they would rip anybody apart. 
Adrian Heath had figured out a way to sort of tactically match up with that. It seems like he's got some of that same sense of how to match up with, 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 um, what's what Portland are going to put out there that can change in the playoffs. You know, like obviously it's, it's one game. It's uh, sometimes the adjustments that happen at halftime are like the most important adjustments you're going to see adjustments in the, you know, partway through as you get into that 60th minute and you're sort of figuring out how the, la- the last stretch of the game is going to go. I think something there's been like, I have to double check this, but I think there's been 30 games in the all time series and nine of them have come in the final 15 minutes of games. So that's a lot of scoring that happens down the stretch like that. Um, it'll be interesting. I, I am really going to treasure Again, there's not necessarily as much of a direct mass matchup between Blanco and Reynoso, um, but the sort of Diego Chara and Alonzo and then Blanco and Reynoso, and they're mm-hmm. sort of going to be checking each other in certain ways. That's a great, like, foursome of, of players who are all great players and smart players, and seeing them square up against each other in the midfield is going to be good. In some ways, I almost feel like that part's going to be a wash, sort of to your point. I think sometimes the playoffs are really about – um, weakness more than strength. Cause it's a point where the, your best players often bring their best. And it's like, where is someone going to step in who you don't expect or where is somebody not going to be up for the moment and is, and is going to sort of uh, fail at that, at that moment and, and allow a big goal to get in Portland defensively a suspect, as well as you said, uh, allowed, I think 52 goals, which is the second highest of any team in the Western conference playoffs also allowed um, a league high 12.5 expected goals from corner kicks and free kicks. They were very vulnerable on, on set pieces and we have a pretty good guy on set pieces, Emmanuel Reynoso, who mm-hmm. looks pretty good. So that's definitely something to think about. Last wrinkle I want to mention um, again, we've talked about Portland as a counterattacking team. It's sort of been their identity traditionally. It's especially true down the stretch. They beat Austin FC three nil RSL three one and San Jose two nil. Uh, after losing to Colorado in those three wins, they had 40%, 35% and 41% possession. So in those <laughs> wins in which they scored uh, eight goals and gave up one, they had way less than half the ball in their, their loss to Colorado before those, they had 57% of the ball. They had over the entire season dead last in possession at 44.7%. Minnesota United has also often been successful with, with less of the ball. Mm. Um, so it'll be interesting to see, I'm sure, you know, the strategy is not, no, you please take the ball. (laughs) You know, you have it. Like every coach wants their team to have the ball, but I think smart teams uh, and Minnesota United is a smart team. But again, I think that the, the, the problems that they had Cal and those, those games where they had a man advantage showed that it's, they're not as adept at breaking down a set defense. They're better at attacking a scrambling defense, um, at least at least right now. I mean, I think Reynoso is good at breaking it down, but they have not necessarily had success in getting finishing against a team that just sort of sets up and stops there. So knowing that Portland likes to play that way as well, and Minnesota United would like to play that way as well, it's going to sort of be like, who is going to grab the game, you know, by the, by the scruff of its collar and, and sort of put their imprint on it? I think that's going to be really important. Get the ball to the feet of Emmanuel Reynoso. <laughs> it's as easy as that. Make sure he is in between <laughs> the lines. If I'm Adrian Heath and if I even see a hint of him dropping a little deep, I am screaming at him. <laughs> no, you get to the edge of the box, get the ball at your feet and make something happen. Yeah. With those three behind, let's assume again, it's Adrian Unu, that there's no reason to think it, it wouldn't be the, the regular front four that we've spoken of. Um get the ball to the feet of Reynoso, who who will have a busy uh, afternoon for sure, shaking off, I'm assuming Diego Chara will be told to, to go wherever he goes. Mm-hmm. Um, but just get the ball to Reynoso's feet. Have him pick a pass out because he can pick he can pick a pass out from from Mars. Like he he is just absolutely sublime. Um I, I heard the other day someone suggesting that that he's 
he may very well be the best player in the league. Um, and it's interesting because I was thinking about this. I wonder if he played for somebody like an Atlanta or an LA Galaxy or one of the so-called bigger clubs. Yeah. Um, would, would that be backed up? Uh, I think it probably would. So I'm going to go out on a limb here, Steve, and say I think he's probably the best player in Major League Soccer. And we're very, very fortunate to have him. Um, but this... This is why you pay the money for players like this. Yeah. Um, because they single-handedly can change games. Um, they single-handedly can win games for you. They single-handedly can penenka a penalty in, in the <laughs> biggest moments of the regular season. Yeah. Um, they've been in pressurized situations before. Players like him want the ball at feet. Get the ball to his feet. Make something happen, and something will happen. Yeah. Is he the best player in the league? I don't know. I, I'm still sort of, I'm still sort of, it's funny because again, I like underlying numbers and analytics and process, but I'm also to some extent a realist in terms of results-based evaluation of somebody. I think he can be the best player in the league. I think right now, I mean, I think if you get, you look at a, a guy like Carlos Hill, if you, if you provided Emmanuel Reynoso with an Adam Buxa and, and a Gustavo Bo, I think mm -hmm. you would see him at, equal or better Carlos Hill's production. So, agree. so that's one of those things where it's like, he's not, uh, he's not all by himself. I mean, and that's part of the nature of soccer. It's just not a game, you know, like you look at Joseph Martinez, incredible score, uh, amazing goal scorer. Um, it helped him a lot to have Miguel Amaron, you know, serving him up in that first year. <laughs> you know, there's, there's a lot that goes into making everybody on the pitch from, you know, your, your holding midfielders, Hold up to your number tens, to your forwards look good. And they sort of have to work together in a certain way. And I think it's gotten better as the season's gone on. Like you said, I think the, 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 the front four are, are coming into their own, I, you know, who knows what the whispers are. If there is some kind of guy who can finish close to what Bo or Abuksa or some of these guys who can really finish is out there, that could really shoot Emmanuel Reynoso up to the next level. It, it, so. it could, Stephen, and, and I've said this now for the last couple of weeks, and, and I think I might have just said it earlier on, but, that if, if Reynoso um, had, and I say this with all due respect, if there was a 20-goal season forward in front of him, those numbers would have absolutely doubled, in my opinion. Yeah, uh, I know he's second in, in passes that are considered key this year in, in MLS as well. I know behind Carlos Gil, but... When I say the best player in the league, Steve, I mean the best player with a football at his feet. Sure. I think it's a different conversation when you talk about the most effective players. Okay. Because, because Carlos Gil then in, in that, um, when you think of it in, in, in that sort of regard, then, then yeah, you'd probably say Carlos, yeah. at least this season anyway. Yeah. But, but I think, Steve, when, when you've got an individual that's got the ball at feet, that can make something happen out of absolutely anything, it, it's hard to look past someone like Emmanuel Reynoso. And like I said... It'll be really interesting next year if a centre forward does come in and we see, inevitably, we'll see those numbers go higher and higher and higher. Um, I, I honestly think right now that we are, we've had a good glimpse of what Reynoso can offer for sure. Mm -hmm. But I think we're only just getting started. Yeah, I, I really do. He's, he, what is he, 26? Yeah. No, he's right in his prime now. That this, this next year is going to be, I'm not going to say the making of him, but if he, if he wants to be a full Argentine international, if he wants to be a superstar, then this next year or two is when he's really, really got to show what he's made of. Mm -hmm. Like I said, for me, he's already shown that he's, he's in my, my opinion, the, the best player in the league. Mm -hmm. But um, I think if, if those tools are added around him, he, he's only going to get better. So um, honestly, Steve, I, I think he's, he's sublime. Again, I was, I was watching training today and um, some of the things he was doing with the ball, it's just ridiculous. You know, flicking the ball over... 
I'm not, I'm not going to name the player because it'll embarrass them, but over the poor player's <laughs> head, you know, and, and, and then someone just gives him a little kick and, and you know, he's, he's sort of whining and, and not quite screaming, but, you know, he's, he's certainly, he's in pain, you can tell. Mm-hmm. Someone's stood on his toe or whatever. He's still flicking the ball around as he's whining, you know. <laughs> I've never seen that before. Like, he's just, he, he's an absolute joy to watch. He really is. So, for me, um, it, it's obvious, but, but he is the key. Minnesota moving forward. Yeah. I, I should also mention, Cal, I think I, I, I still would not write off the possibility of Andrea Onu being maybe not a 20 goal scorer, but like much more than we've seen so yeah, far. Yeah. I think we've seen him get better down the stretch here. And again, like Robin Lud, I think he had the thing of having a whole season and then coming in at the end of that and just not really being ready. It takes guys time. I wouldn't be surprised if, if, you know, whatever else happens, if Unu isn't there to challenge for, um, you know, that forward position again next year and doesn't have more to him than we've seen so far. I think competition is always healthy, isn't it? Yeah. So, um, and I, I don't think he's, he's had, um, too much competition other than Robin Lodge this year. Um, and I say that with all due respect. I know Fernando Adi has come on at times to offer them a different way to play. But yeah. but Adi would come on for Unu, not, not because of a poor performance from Unu or anything of, of that sort. It's because, right, the team needs to go direct. They need yeah. to get the ball up the field quicker and hold it. And, that, and that's why they, they bring on someone like Adi. Um, so I wonder if, if, um, if another centre forward is brought in, uh, would that benefit? Um, Unu, uh, and, and I have to say, I think it would. So I, I agree, Steve, that, that I, I, he's gotten better for sure. Mm-hmm. And as I've said before, I, I'm still not convinced he's, he's natural um, in his movement inside the box. I think it's getting better. I'm not saying he can't learn that. And I think his, his goal against, uh, was it Philadelphia, um, proves that, that he's clearly worked on it because his movement to, to peel away from the centre-back on that occasion um, mm-hmm. Was, was really good, and his movement in behind was something that uh, we'd not seen too much of before. Um, so uh, I think he can he can get there for sure, but I, I just question if it's natural or not. Sure. Um, but but like you said, if another centre forward comes in, um, competition is always healthy, and uh, I'd be very interested to see what that looked like moving forward. Yeah. Well, Cal, it's been a joy to be in a room with you. I it's been great, like. hasn't it? Yeah. I feel like the banter is a little more natural. I don't yeah, feel like, yeah, yeah. you know, there's no, we're not clipping each other out with, as we speak over each other. Um, so it's, it's, it's nice. Your jacket looks amazing. Also, by the way, <laughs> it's you know, cold in this office. It's, well, see, it's weird to me because I'm still, we're still wearing masks. Most of the time we are both not right now for <laughs> recording yes. purposes. Um, but, it gets stuffy in my right around my face, mm. and so then it makes me feel all hot, even if it's cold. So I'm still adjusting to being back at work. I'm well, not, you're just a hot individual. I, well, that's <laughs> also I am <laughs> hot might be a little much. I'm a sweaty individual. So, um, anyways, thanks for joining us for the 163rd Sound of the Loons podcast presented by Alina Health Orthopedics. Be sure to leave us a nice review on iTunes, or at the very least, a five star rating, and follow the team on Twitter at MNUFC. You can follow Cal at CalWilliams.com, and you can follow me at Steve Andrus. Apologies, as always, to Richard Wagner. And remember, there's I think that's actually Ricard Wagner. I looked it up on Wikipedia today. Really? Yeah, Ricard, wrong for Ricard so Wagner. I'm going to kill you. Apologies, wow. as always, to Ricard Wagner. I'm going to say it like that from now on. <laughs> and remember, there's only one person in this whole world like you, and people can like you exactly as you are. <laughs>